You know, dealing with uh, Psalm 119 is kind of sta- like standing on the, on the edge of the ocean. You uh, see that it's vast, it's broad, it's somewhat overwhelming. You're taken aback by its beauty, by its depth. You might even be a, a bit intimidated by it, a bit uncertain, uneasy, especially kind of wander out into the psalm itself, beginning to realize, you know, this is a long, broad, vast, deep portion of Scripture. You can't see one side from the other, one end from the start. And just like crossing the ocean, as you study Psalm 119, it's essential that you keep your bearings. This psalm stands together. It's a unit. There's one, as we'll see, one primary basic theme that runs all the way through it. This is, as I mentioned, the longest psalm. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. For that reason, many people tend to avoid it. When you're looking for a psalm to read, you don't usually look for one that has 176 verses in it. If you're choosing a psalm to memorize, you're probably going to pick one that's a little bit shorter than this one. But this psalm is full of meaning and significance to us. I've, I've simply entitled my sermon this morning, The Beauty of the Bible. Most scholars believe this psalm was written by David. It shows he was thoroughly acquainted with the Word of God. He loved it. He was committed to it. Over and over again, this psalm reminds us of the beauty, the wonder, the grandeur, the importance, the necessity of the Word of God. Last week, during my sermon from Psalm 116, I asked a very personal question. And that question was, do you love the Lord? Remember, Psalm 116 started with that phrase. The psalmist's testimony was, I love the Lord. And my question to you last week was, do you? Is that your testimony? And if it is, I asked two follow-up questions. One was why. Why do you love him? And the second follow-up was how do you know? What evidence is in your life that, that you love the Lord? I'll begin my sermon today with a very similar personal question. And that is, do you love God's word? That is the testimony of this psalmist. Turn with me to verse 97. Where the psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So my question would be, is that your testimony today? Can you say honestly from the heart, yes, I love God's law. And if your answer to that question is yes, I would ask the same two follow-up questions. The first one is why? Why do you love it? And the second is, how do you know? What evidence is there in your life that you love God's word? This morning, I simply want to acquaint you with this great song. 
I'm going to approach it differently from the other Psalms we've studied. I'm going to approach it differently from many of the other texts in the Bible that we cover. This is going to be a kind of a survey of Psalm 119. All right, I realize it's pouring rain here. Uh, God's going to take care of us, okay? David, you watching the radar for us? Thank you. So we're in God's hands and people are taking care of us, okay? Um, it's going to be kind of a survey of uh, this psalm. I am thinking about spending the next four Sundays going through portions of Psalm 119. I think we'll do that in May. Is just look at some of the individual portions. But I'm not going to give you an expository sermon on all 176 verses of Psalm 119. When I, uh, I teach a, a New Testament survey course through uh, uh, East Central Community College, used to teach on campus, now I just teach online. But I tell them that in this course, we're taking like an aerial view of, of the New Testament, kind of like we're, we're flying over a forest, kind of looking at it as a whole instead of walking through the forest, looking at the individual trees. And that's what we're going to do today with Psalm 119. We're going to kind of get a, a broad aerial view of this, of this psalm. And there are several things I want to bring to your attention as we do that. First, I'd like for us to consider why this psalm, this very long psalm, was written. That is, what is the great theme? What is the great purpose of this psalm. Well, this psalm obviously has one theme and one theme only, and that is the law of God or the word of God, what we know today as this book, which is the Bible. Now, there are different, uh, actually 10 different words or phrases used throughout this psalm to describe uh, God's word. Just for example, look at with me at the first section we read, verses 1 through 8. Verse 1, it's called the law of the Lord. Verse 2, his testimonies. Verse 3, his ways. Verse 4, your precepts. Verse 5, your statutes. Verse 6, your commandments. Verse 7, your judgments. And then again, verse 8, your statutes. It's also referred to as God's ordinances at times, God's judgments, God's testimonies. This psalm really is the most clear, most fervent, most passionate text we have about the importance and the significance of the Word of God to the people of God. Now, there are lots of other verses in the Bible, sections of the Bible that do that. You know, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy uh, all scripture is inspired by God is profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Well, that's kind of a summation, I think, of Psalm 119, showing us the importance of it. And so this, this psalm, the setting of it, I think, was David reflecting on the, the significance of the word of God in his own life, how much he loved it. What a great treasure it was. What a great value it had in his own heart, in his own life. My own estimation is David was probably older in life when he wrote this psalm. And so he's reflecting on not just what God's word meant to him now at this particular time in his life as a mature adult, but also what it meant to him as a younger man as well. 
And so I think that if we're going to kind of summarize Psalm 119, it would be like this. In the life of a young person, the Word of God, the Bible, primarily gives direction. Look with me, for example, in verse 9. One of the most familiar verses out of this psalm. How can a young man keep his way pure? It's by keeping it, he says, according to your word. Verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. Verse 32. I shall run the way of your commandments. For you will enlarge my heart. And then verses 34 and 35. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Those are the expressions of a young person desiring to know God's word that he might live in a way that pleases God. Now, in the life of an older person, I qualify. The Bible still continues to give guidance and direction. But it also has the benefit of giving to us a real sense of peace and comfort. Look, for example, at uh, uh, verse uh, 52. Where it says, I have remembered your ordinances from of old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Verse 76. Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me according to your to your word, to your servant. Verse 97, again, Oh, how I love your law. It is my what? My meditation all the day. Verse 165, Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Verse 151, You are near, O Lord, And all your commandments are truth. So this psalm grounds us, doesn't it? From the earliest days to the oldest days. Showing us the importance, the value of the word of God. Giving direction, guidance to young people to follow God's ways. And then to the older people who are nearing the end of their life to have comfort and peace and hope. Meditating on God's word. Knowing that he is always near. Second thing I want us to consider is kind of how this psalm is put together. As I mentioned, this is the longest of the psalms, but it's not a haphazard collection of individual sayings. No, there's a real sense of order or design to it. If you'll notice in your text, I think most Bibles uh, are all the same way in Psalm 119. You realize if you count them up, it's divided up into sections. There are 22 sections in Psalm 119. Each of those 22 sections contains eight verses. Now, each of the headings, there's a heading, should be a heading in your Bible above each section. Those are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet 
There are 22 sections in Psalm 119, each of them having the heading of one of those letters. And in each section, each sentence in that section begins with that particular letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it would be like if you're writing a poem today and you divide it up into 26 sections. And the first section being A, the section, second being B, and the last section being Z. And then each section has eight verses and every sentence in the first section begins with the letter A and B. You get the point. That's how Psalm 119 is organized. But not only that, in every verse, except for five, the Word of God is mentioned in some way. Either your law, your statutes, your testimonies, your commandments, your precepts. Those ten ways, one of them is used in almost every verse of Psalm 119. And so it's a very orderly, well put together, organized, specific description of the Word of God. Describing its beauty, its value, and its usefulness to us. Then, the third thing I want us to consider this morning as we kind of do this overview of Psalm 119. Is what this Bible, or what this Psalm teaches. Uh, Again, each of these sections teaches us something about the value of God's Word. It's beauty, that's why I've simply entitled my sermon, The Beauty of the Bible. It exalts the Word of God. It it, it praises it. Now, just to give you a couple of examples, let me make reference to the first two stanzas that we read this morning. Uh, The first section speaks, if you look in verses 1 and 2, and we may deal with this in more in depth next week, the blessedness. Who's the blessed person in life? Psalm 119 tells us the blessed person is the person who lives his life by the word of God. You know, people look in all different places for blessing in life. And this is it, folks. The blessed person is the person who, as the text says, walk in the law of the Lord, who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. The second section says that that keeping God's word or living by the Bible, again, is the way that we protect ourselves from temptation. Again, verse 9, the questions ask, how can a young man keep his way pure? It's not by slapping your hands every time you're about to do something wrong. A young man keeps his way pure by keeping it according to God's word. Verse 11, again. Your word I have treasured in my heart. Why? What's the purpose of treasuring God in your heart? It's not so that you can just recite verse after verse after verse. It's so that you might not sin against God. And so this psalm teaches us the value of God's word. It's it's, It's the way of blessing. It's the way of obedience. And all the way through, you find that. How God's word helps us throughout 
every part of life. You know, throughout this psalm, David expresses a firm trust in God's word and what it says. He says he finds great joy and delight in, in the law of God. He, he finds great comfort, as we saw, great peace as it, or as he studies it, learns it, and knows it. He says that God's word corrects us, it admonishes us, it changes our hearts. You know, it describes God's word as a lamp that shines on our way. Boy, you know, don't you know the value of a, of a flashlight in a very dark place? It's what God's word is to us. When we don't know where to go, how to see, it's, it's God's word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It's described in this psalm as a compass. I've talked before how I've gotten turned around in the woods. I have a very poor sense of direction in the woods. Well, if you have a compass, you can tell which direction to go to find your way out. And that's what Psalm 119 says God's word is. It's a compass that helps us know where we are in life and how we can get to the right place. It's said to be a guide to lead us through all the complexities of life. Now, what I've just done is kind of give you an overview, a summary of Psalm 119. There's a fourth thing I want us to consider in this overview. And that is that the Word of God gives us three things in Psalm 119, describes them. You turn with me to verses 98 through 100. It gives us wisdom. It gives us insight. He gives us understanding. Verse 98, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Verse 100, I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. Wisdom, insight, and understanding all come from the truth of God's word. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to look at life from God's perspective. And the only way to do that, the only way to look at life from God's perspective is to look at it, what we call the, the spectacles of Scripture. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says, we look in this life, we look through a glass darkly. It's like those windows were kind of all fogged up and we just couldn't see Clearly, the parking lot and which cars were out there. And that's the way we look at life, isn't it? We just don't understand it sometimes. It's like, it's just kind of hazy. Well, the more you put on the spectacles of Scripture, the more you look at life through the lens of the Word of God, the more things make sense. Look, it may happen today. I think it happened last night. Didn't someone tell me that someone's already been killed in a tornado? Didn't you tell me that, Mason? Somebody told me that. How do you understand that? How do you make sense of that? How, how do you make sense of the fact that today someone may lose their home because of the weather? You can't. You can't apart from this. This gives us the answers of life. God is in control. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He doesn't do things the way we would do them. He doesn't think the way we would think. 
His ways are not our ways. We can't understand them. And the more you understand and look at life through the book of the Bible, the more you understand the realities of life. It was a, right before church, I checked my phone and there was a tornado warning in Ridgeland. My son's at work right now in Flowood. It's not far. Let's just suppose that my phone rings and there's a tornado today hitting River Oaks Hospital and my son was killed. How am I going to view that? How am I going to deal with that? Well, certainly, you know, I'd be devastated. I've always said, you know, you see these little, little crosses along the road, highway where people were killed in car accidents. I always said, you know, if one of my boys was killed in a car wreck, I'd probably just put up a tent and just stay right there. I might be devastated. Again, I can't grasp it. But how do you deal with that? If that happened to me today, how am I going to deal with that? There's only one way I can. It's, it's, it's trying to find the answers here. Oh God, what, what are you trying to teach me? What is, what is your purpose and your plan for my life? And now that my son's life is complete, how do, you, how do I help someone else? It goes through a similar situation or circumstance. It is by looking at life through the spectacles of Scripture that we get wisdom. It leads us to the second thing, and that's understanding, which goes, or to, rather to insight, which goes a little deeper than wisdom. Insights uh, gives us the ability to look below the surface of what has happened and why it's happened. What is God's purpose in this? What is God's plan for me? Having insight is allowing the Scripture to be used as the sword of the Spirit. And not in necessarily in somebody else's life, but in my own life. You know, it's really easy. It's a lot easier, isn't it? It's not easier for me to take the sword out and point it at you. Hey, this is what the Word of God says. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to believe. How you're supposed to feel. How you're supposed to understand. Well, it's a lot harder in turn that sword around to yourself and say, "This is what this is what the Bible says to you, to me. What I'm supposed to do with it." And then understanding is the deepest level. And it's the ability to respond to the wisdom and the insight God gives you. And to live with a sense of understanding that God is with you. He's always there. His plan is always right. He does work all things together for good to those who love Him. And that, that should be your prayer. Every time you open the Bible, to read it and study it, you ought to pray that God would give you wisdom, insight, and understanding into the matters of life. Then finally, what does this mean 
for you and for me today. Well, it means that we should see the, for one thing, we ought to see not just the beauty of the Bible, but the uniqueness of the Bible. Folks, this is the most important book that was ever written. This is the only book that we have that was written by the hand of God. Our catechism says that the word of God was written by holy men who were led by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got this book. You know, this is called God's word. It's called the Holy Bible. Why is it holy? It's because it's in this book that God reveals himself to us. There's no book like it. I've got probably 2,000 books, at least, over in the modular in my office. And some of them are, they're not valuable monetarily, but they're valuable to me. Some are given to me by dear friends. Some belong to my dad. Many of them have been used to shape my theological understanding and Help me know how to live my life in a way that pleases God, how to pastor God's people. But as precious as those books are to me, none of them should be more precious than the Bible. You know, sometimes somebody will ask me, well, have you read any good books lately? You know the best answer to that question? I've been reading the Bible. You know, we, we kind of hold up our theological heroes, don't we? You know, some people are fans of Tim Keller. Some love to read John MacArthur. Others like me, you know, we're devoted to R.C. Sproul. And we, we believe them, don't we? We, we? we love to, we're just waiting for the next book to come out so we can read what they wrote. We follow their teaching. But no human book ever ought to take the place of this one. This is the book of life. This is the book that points us to Christ. This is the book that God wrote himself. And so my question this morning as I conclude is, have you seen it? Have you seen the beauty of the Bible? Is it really beautiful to you? Do you love it? Now, there's one way to tell, and it gets real personal. How much do you read it? You know, I. I'll just be honest. That gets real personal to me. There are days when I probably read more, spend more time reading the Mississippi State sports message boards than I do the Bible. I'll guarantee you that many of you spend more time on Facebook than you do in the Bible. Maybe you spend more time with the newspaper, magazine, 
than you do the Bible. That gets real personal, doesn't it? I have to ask myself, can I really say with the psalmist, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The more we understand the beauty of the Bible, and I'm preaching, I'm pointing the sword this way. The more we understand the beauty of the Bible, the more time we will spend with it. You know, one thing I've heard over and over since I got here to North Point. And one thing I've said over and over again since I came to North Point is that North Point is a church that's committed to the Bible. That's why this church was formed. It's because of a love for the Scripture, a desire to elevate the Scripture, a desire to make sure that every time this church meets, we don't meet just to pat ourselves on the back and have a good time. We meet to preach and to teach the Bible. But you know, when it gets down to it, what really makes the determining factor of if the Bible is important to us is not what we do with it for 30 minutes in here on Sunday mornings. It's what we do with it the rest of the week. And if we're really people of the Bible, if really a church committed the Bible, we're not just committed to coming to hear someone open it and preach it. We're committed to living by it every day. And so, my question to you, or my exhortation to you today, would be, let's, let's really see the beauty of the Bible. Folks, it's a beautiful book. From beginning to end, let's see its beauty. Let, let's see how important, how valuable it is to us. Let, let's see it's something that we really can't do without. And, and more than anything else, let's see throughout the pages of this Bible how it points us to Christ. not without significance that in John 1 John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Who is that word? That word is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the living word. And it is through the written word that we come to know the living word. But you know the reverse is just the same. It's through the living word we come to know the written word. It's through the living Christ that our eyes are open to see the reality, the truth that God has in this book. There is no other way of salvation other than Christ. And from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, this is all about Jesus. All about Him. You talk about beautiful. You talk about beauty. When you understand that the Bible points us to Jesus. How much more beautiful, how much more precious this book is. May God enable us to be a people who say with the psalmist, with all our hearts, Oh, how love I your law. It is my meditation all the day. Let's pray.
Lord God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this great psalm that points us to its value and its significance to us. And I pray for grace for each one of us to turn our hearts to Christ and to his word. We might grow in the grace and the knowledge of him who loved us and gave himself for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.